the fantasy football beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Dez Beeler, and what can I say, guys? Uh, training camps have started. We have preseason games. Jordan Reed has an injury. I mean, football is back, baby. I'm Jeff Dooley, and I'm wondering why Mike is soaking wet right now. <laughs> uh, because of the worst-time cheeseburger run in history. Three blocks away, thunderstorm, D.C. downpour. Here I am, soaking wet. I'm a drowned rat. You've kind of got a Leo DiCaprio Titanic thing going on right now. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Any comparison to Leo, I'm all about. You're not king of the world, though. Oh, damn it. All right, well, let's get to it. We are wrapping up our positional previews this week with tight ends. Remember, if you missed our quarterbacks, wide receivers, or running backs episodes, you can find them on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, you can find all of our fantasy content that Des has been cranking out on a regular basis at thewashingtonpost.com. That's right, Mike. And as a bonus, after tight ends, we're going to talk about defenses and kickers. Hey, they're people too. But right now, we have a big idea about tight ends. Let's get right to it. Jeff, what's the big idea? The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, guys, the big idea for the tight end position, and we've been doing this for every position, so go back, check out the Fantasy Draft Guides, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Tight end's a tricky position. For this one, I'm going, the big idea is you have to overlook injury risk when you're making selections at the position. Hmm. And I know we talk about, you know, Rob Gronkowski, the number one thing uh, everyone says about him when it pertains to fantasy football is health. Uh, There's another guy. Uh, at the top of a lot of tight end rankings, including Dez's, Jordan Reed of the Redskins. Uh, He's also a a supreme talent, but a major injury risk. Uh, I think you just have to sort of accept the fact that that injury risk is priced into a lot of the rankings and also the ADPs um, that you see coming off the board, and you just have to get over it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, when you're when you're drafting, be, yep. because otherwise uh, you're going to sort of cripple yourself. There's just too many injury risks uh, across the top players of the position. Yeah, the main the main thing there being that if you are super worried about guys getting hurt or or a recent history of injuries, like you're just not going to wind up drafting any tight ends. Because <laughs> if you go through like most of the top twelve, uh, you could say something about pretty much all these dudes, and it stands to reason. You know, I looked up a couple of studies. One analysis of the 2015 season found that injury rates, as in this case defined by a player missing at least one game, were second highest among tight ends. Not surprisingly, running backs came in, in first in that study. Mm-hmm. But actually, another study that I saw of the 2013 and 2014 seasons, using a little bit more of a fantasy-based methodology, found that tight ends actually had the highest percentage of games missed per season due to injury. So, it's, you know, it's a position that just is constantly getting hit, you know, hit by injuries. And yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion, along with Jeff, that I think some of the ADPs that we're seeing here basically mean that fantasy drafters are already sort of shying away from the position, so you might as well draft them where, where they're going. Yeah, it's a vulnerable position, right, because these are, these are big guys who are not easy to tackle up high. And so what happens is Rob yeah. Gronkowski, everyone goes at the knees, yeah, at the def- ankles, yeah, they're dragging defensive on Defensive backs were half his size, yeah. So he's, he's more vulnerable to a lot of those. And even a guy like, uh, you know, number two in your rankings as Travis Kelsey, he has an injury history in his career. So even if you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm just going to eliminate uh, that from the equation, you've got a guy who's been hurt before. So I, I do think, you, you know, you don't want to go crazy here. We're not advocating Rob Gronkowski top five pick. 
but you do have to sort of look at where he's coming off the board right now in a lot of recent drafts, uh, sort of late second round if you're figuring sort of a 12-team league. Uh, that feels about right. You know, the reward there is huge if he plays even 14 games in a season. Uh, that could pay off for you. So obviously, if you're not hedging against the other tight ends, because if one of them is an injury risk, they're all an injury risk, as we've established. How much do you hedge against these other players? You mentioned Gronkowski could actually be a good value late in the second round. Where else do some of these guys fall in terms of, you mentioned Jordan Reed, Tyler Eifert is coming back off another injury. Uh, We have some other big names on this list. Where do they fall relative to the other positions? Should you de-emphasize tight end overall because of that inherent risk in the position? It's it's a good question. I mean, for me, I'm generally going to wait later to get a tight end because I think I can get a late value. And for all the reasons we've talked about in previous episodes, it's just so important to get the running back position right, and it's so important to get the wide receiver position right that I tend to lean towards loading up at those positions early. Uh, I feel okay with with drafting a little bit later, but I think you know that might be to my own failure if you know Gronk at the end of the second round especially say you get like David Johnson early or Le'Veon Bell early like if you get that guy plus a healthy (laughs) Rob Gronkowski you're gonna win your league I mean mean, for sure that's an outstanding uh basis for your team yeah I mean what's interesting is that um quarterbacks and tight ends are going off the board at roughly the same rate uh, at about similar spots during the draft like the tight end one Gronk is going at about the same place as the quarterback one Aaron Rodgers is going. You know, Kelsey is about going in kind of a similar vicinity as Tom Brady. You have Jordan Reed is usually the third guy off the board. He's going around the same place that Drew Brees is going. So it's funny. They're, they're sort of in lockstep there. And to me, that just reemphasizes that drafters are being very cautious with tight ends because that's a much less deep position than quarterback. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's, we talked, obviously, in the quarterback's podcast about waiting forever to draft one. And one of the main points there was that there was a seemingly endless list of QB1 uh, candidates. You know, that's not the same... That's certainly not the same case with tight ends. So you would think maybe because it's a less deep position, there'd be more of a premium on drafting these guys, pulling them off the draft board. But we're not seeing that to be the case. So that's that sort of goes to our point, which is that their their injury risk already seems to be uh, getting priced into uh, where they're going. Now, this brings me to another question that we haven't really discussed, so I'll, I'll just throw it out there. We always talk about the injury risk with running backs and necessitating a handcuff, same player at the same position, or a different player at the same position on the same team. Obviously, a tight end handcuff seems ludicrous because a lot of the backup number two tight ends aren't going to have the same skill set as a Rob Gronkowski or even a Travis Kelsey or Jordan Reed. But is there a more incentive to take a second tight end during the draft in order to make sure you have a solid floor in case of injury to your number one tight end? Well, two tight end handcuffs who I would keep an eye on. One is Dwayne Allen in New England as the number two tight end there with Marcellus sure. Bennett. Certainly makes on. sense. I think you keep an eye on him, and I really think in Washington, Vernon Davis uh, as the backup tight end to Jordan Reed. One, it, you could see some two tight end sets uh, from them. But two, if Jordan Reed is out and he has as lengthy an injury history of any of these guys we're talking about, uh, Vernon Davis becomes uh, a tight end one in fantasy. Yeah, I, I think it goes to how deep your bench is. Different fantasy leagues have different settings for that. If it's kind of a short bench, I wouldn't waste time. Uh, drafting a second tight end, partly because there's going to be that many more tight ends on the waiver wire. If and when Gronk does get injured, you can just go right out and, and find a pretty decent guy. Uh, the actual handcuff you're talking about doesn't always work out. I remember a few years ago I drafted Gronk during one of his other—he sort of came into this that season, I think, with a hamstring issue, and it was 
it wasn't clear that he would start the season, so I drafted Zach Sudfeld, who was uh, ah yes, <laughs> make, he was he was tearing it up in Patriots camp. I mean, it was one of these training camp stories. <laughs> like Zach Sudfeld looks incredible, no one could stop him, and I think they cut him or something. It was like, <laughs> I mean, I think it was after, but yeah, so that Patriots didn't work are out ruthless, man. But basically, yeah, I think if you have enough bench space, I don't think it's a terrible idea to draft a second tight end. It just sort of depends on how the draft is going, and if if you get a good feeling that coming out of the draft, there's still a lot of decent tight end options out there. But you know, yeah, I mean, I think with Gronk. You know, his, his average draft position, and we're using Fantasy Pro's aggregated rankings, is 19. You know, and, and I think if, 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 we knew, if you knew you were getting a fully healthy Gronk, you're talking about one of the premium touchdown producers. He's probably the most likely guy to catch a touchdown pass of anyone in, in fantasy. You know, that's the kind of player that goes in the first round. Like, yeah. if, you, if you knew you were getting even 13 games out of Rob Gronkowski, you could make a pretty strong argument that, you know, that, that he's a first-round value. So for him to go in the 19th means that, Already that risk is, is being priced in there. Similarly, Jordan Reed is going 41st. I mean, this is a player who, in the past two seasons, has actually outscored uh, Gronk in PPR leagues, in PPR performance, on a per-game basis. Yeah. If, you knew, you know, if you knew Jordan Reed was going was gonna to be healthy this season, I guarantee he'd be going higher than the 45th play, 41st player off the board. Favorite target of Kirk Cousins, who is, by the way, playing for a big-time contract. He will find Jordan Reed if he's out there. All right, so we've established that we have to get over our injury phobia. Let's see how it all plays out in the rankings. Stock watch. Stock watch. All right, here's my top 15. Uh, we'll take them five at a time to make it easier on the listener and more digestible. Fellow, yeah, and Phil. We don't trust no. you to remember all 15. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a tough one. Plus, this makes for pretty bad radio. So here we go. Number one, guess who? Gronk. That's no. right. I am, I am ranking Rob Gronkowski first among tight ends. Uh, obviously, we know all about his injury history, but I'll touch on some of the other guys as we go through. Uh, number two, Travis Kelsey. Um, he was the number one tight end in 2016. He's basically been pretty healthy the past three seasons. He basically did miss his entire rookie season, though, uh, after a microfracture surgery on his knee in 2013. Which everyone so, forgets you know, about. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, not, not an unblemished history there. Number three, I have Jordan Reed. Okay, I don't know if we need to say much more about his injury history. Uh, number four, I have Greg Olson. Uh, he's pretty much been an Iron Man. That there's very little you can say about him. He's actually uh, made every start I think for the past uh, five seasons in a row. Uh, but he is 32, so there's that. And five, I have Jimmy Graham, who made a very impressive return from injury last season. Uh, he he missed five games the previous year with uh, with a ruptured patellar tendon, I think, which is a pretty vicious injury. And I think it was surprising how well he played last season. So that's my top five. All right, so Jimmy Graham, let's start there, because I think the top four, assuming full health for all of them, is pretty much ironclad arguments. Is Jimmy Graham still a question mark at all in that Seattle offense, Jeff? I think so. I mean, he, in theory, he's the number two option behind Doug Baldwin, um, and he's you know the most physically imposing pass catcher they have there. Um, but he really came into his own. If you drafted Jimmy Graham in last year, you know, in your fantasy league last year, you, you were feeling pretty good. I ended up yep. getting him in one um, and just missed out on him and a couple others, which I came to regret, regret because the other guys who were drafted around him didn't perform at the same level. Uh, I think he's, he's one, of, one of the top targets there. You know, that Seattle offense, even if they want to run the ball more, which they say they have, uh, you know, he has so much value in the red zone. He's one of the top deep threats as a tight end in the league. Which is uh, rare. So, again, you know, we're going to say if he's healthy for every single guy on this list, right? But if he's healthy, I, I absolutely <laughs> think he's a top five uh, fantasy tight end. So, uh, you know, he's going in the sixth round. If you're in a 12-team league, you know, early to mid-sixth round, uh, that might be a little rich for me, but I, I'd certainly think about it. 
Yeah, m- most of that, most of that in most of his injury history was really just that that knee injury he had. He was pretty healthy when he was with the Saints, and obviously he was a top four tight end most of that time. What was odd about his usage last year was that in the last four games of the season, the Seahawks kind of ignored him. Like he just his usage fell off hugely. It was very odd, and I tried to look up if there were any explanations for that, and it wasn't really anything health based or even game plan based. Maybe it was just one of those things, but that's a bit concerning. But he did post a career high fourteen point two yards per catch average. Uh, which is pretty darn good. And I, I think the Seahawks, th- that is an aspect of their passing offenses. They seem to be able to get good numbers out of their tight ends in terms of per catch average. I mean, guys like Luke Wilson in the past have done that. All right, let's move on to 6 through 10. All right, number 6, I'm going with Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I like him. Yep, he's uh, another guy who w- has been healthy the past couple years, but then the two seasons before that, he missed eight games in 2013 with a fractured foot, seven games in 2014 after sports hernia surgery. So... Bit of a checkered pass there. Number seven, I have Tyler Eifert, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Injury. He's only played 22 of a possible 48 games over the past three seasons. Uh, number eight, I have Delaney Walker, another guy who's actually kind of an Iron Man at that position, but like Greg Olson, getting a little long in the tooth, so that has some inherent injury risk. Number nine, I have Martellus Bennett. Sorry, he missed five games in 2015 with fractured ribs, and actually he was supposedly he was pretty hampered all of last season. Uh, for, in with uh, with an ankle issue, and then number ten, I have Zach Ertz from the Eagles. So right there, I, I see another pretty natural tier after Ertz. I think I'm pretty confident if I have any of those top ten guys as my starting tight end, that I'm pretty well set at that position. Maybe a little less so about Bennett, but the rest of them for sure. Any doubts there, Jeff? That any any hate on those top ten? No, I don't think so. I I, I agree. There's a pretty solid. Um, group in that top 10. I have a little, I have some concern about Martellus Bennett. I'll get to that a little bit later uh, in the episode. I, to me, the guy who sticks out is, is Tyler Eifert uh, because he's potentially a top three guy. Um, it, yep. it, it's assuming the health issues have been resolved and he came into last season, uh, you know, still recovering from injuries. I, I don't think it was like till week six, maybe he returned. It might have so, been even seven. Uh, so there, there were some, uh, there were some pretty serious issues there. Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph is an interesting guy at number two in fantasy PPR scoring last year among tight ends, which yeah. I don't think a lot of people uh, would consider. Stealthy. And his ADP, Dez actually has him ranked higher than, than he's going in a lot of drafts, yep. uh, currently a mid-eighth-round ADP in a 12-team league. So he, he's a potential value. He sticks out. Yeah, he was number one in targets last year, Kyle Rudolph, and uh, also in red zone targets. And I think I think what you saw there was a little bit of the Sam Bradford effect. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we mentioned, you, we also saw Rudolph stay healthy. What is what is the done. Sam Bradford effect? <laughs> I know you, you, usually you don't speak about that's, in, that's in a positive not, way. That's it's not really not the household uh, phrase. In this you might case, expect. it's actually a good thing. I mean that Sam Bradford loves to throw high percentage passes. He's, he doesn't take a lot of chances with the football. He loves to keep his his completion percentage somewhere start, you know somewhere in the seventies. You know, and I think he, I think he loves the fact that Rudolph is a big target who runs, you know, pretty safe routes, intermediate routes, and I think he just peppered him with passes last year. And that's the kind of thing we talked about targets on the Wide Receivers podcast. Yep. That's the kind of thing that does kind of transfer over and bodes very well for fantasy production. You're yep. probably not getting excited about Kyle Rudolph, right? If you see his name there and you haven't right. done your research ahead of time, you're saying, right. "Oh, Kyle Rudolph." Right. That's that's true because also, you know, he didn't he didn't really pop last year. He didn't have a lot right. of huge games. What he was was super consistent. He had 12 games with double digit. Uh, points in PPR leagues, the most at his position. That's you know you can fall in love with a guy like that for that sort of consistency. Yeah, he's one of those guys that is super unsexy in a standard league, but in PPR, like if you're getting him late, that is a huge, huge value. All right, let's wrap this up. Ten to fifteen. 
Or 11 to 15, rather. Sorry. 11 to 15, right. Uh, 11, I have Eric Ebron, uh, another guy who missed a few games last year, three to be exact. Uh, 12, I have Hunter Henry. At 13, I have Jack Doyle. At 14, I have Kobe Fleener. And at 15, the old war horse, I'm going with Jason Witten. The immortal Jason Witten. Speaking of Ironman, I mean, he's the, uh, you know, he's like the Cal Ripken of the NFL. I mean, you cannot get that guy off the field. All right, so number 11, Eric Ebron. I feel like we always talk about Eric Ebron's upside. Super athlete, ready to break out, passing heavy offense. At what point do we just put like a do not resuscitate on the hype for Eric Ebron? I think we got to give him at least one more year, right, Jeff? No, we're no. there. <laughs> We've reached the point. Wow. Pull the respirator. Here, I think so you have no faith in Ebron. I, I, I'm not going to draft him ahead of any of those next four guys you mentioned there. Wow. So you have him including at 11. Witten. I would take, yeah, including Witten. I would take... Henry, Doyle, Fleener, and Witten before I would take Eric Ebron. Here's the issue. I don't think Eric Ebron was ever this super athlete he was billed to be. I think he had exceptional straight line speed for the position, but his athletic testing results, sort of the lateral stuff, he was not nearly as strong. Um, and there is the injury history to contend with, so I'm not drafting him. I'll put it that way. I think <laughs> if, if you can, if he were to slip maybe to like the 12th round, some of these other guys go earlier, you know, people reaching for Hunter Henry maybe, uh, I could be talked into it, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not giving him another year. You can give him a year another year. I, I like Ebron a lot in PPR leagues. I mean, his touchdown in his first three seasons, his touchdown totals have gone one, five, and then one again. So uh, apparently not a red zone target, but there is a but. Uh, last year, the Lions had Anquan Bolden, who really sopped up a lot of those red yeah, zone targets. Point. That's a good point. Bolden is gone now, uh, which theoretically leaves that red zone, that big big target in the end zone role to Eric Ebron. Now, you have to sort of hope that that turns out to be the case. But I think, you know, by ranking him 11th, I mean, you know, we talk about what's being priced in here. Right. I mean, a lot of the possibility of him having a, a down season is priced in. And I think he has way more upside than Jason Witten, for one, and a lot of these other guys that are going in a similar range. All right, let's talk about upside. And you know we can't get through a tight end segment without talking about my boy, Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. Why is he your boy? Because I love saying Jack Doyle. Yeah, when you weren't on the podcast last year, Jeff, uh, Mike Mike had a field day with Jack Doyle. He thought he was like some hard-bitten private eye who woke up and did a shot of whiskey and then went out to the practice field. He is a film noir hero waiting to happen. He does kind of have that Raymond Chandler character name thing going for him. Totally. I'll give you that. Do you have any sort of... Uh, any any sort of <laughs> any value to add regarding yes, his football? Yes, ability. I do because he is a he is athletically. I think he's just a guy, but he's also just a guy who happens to be catching touchdown passes. Just a guy from with a heart of gold, <laughs> Jack Doyle, down on his luck, but catching passes from Andrew Luck as well. We can only hope. Yeah, well, assuming he's healthy. So I think that would be a little bit contingent on Luck being able to actually you know like throw the ball. But if he is healthy. Colts tight ends really perform well, and, and I like the fact that he's going to be all alone at the position. No Dwayne Allen this year. Well, uh, they do have a guy named Eric Swope there who's uh – Who's a former basketball player? He's one, he's one of those guys, and we, as we all Eric know, Eric Swope. Yeah, exactly, that's another good name. <laughs> it doesn't work as well. As we all know, former basketball players always turn into incredible tight ends in the NFL. Jimmy Graham. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot to like with Jack Doyle. We just we just kind of have to see the progression there. Like he did emerge as the Colts' number two receiver last year. Part of that had to do with Monty Dante Moncrief having kind of a down season, yeah. but. You know, there's a lot. To, he, he clearly is going to be their preferred choice of their. They run a lot of two tight end sets, and Jack Doyle will clearly be the uh, preferred choice there. So, a lot of value in that. Buyer beware. 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 Well, if you're not going to worry about injuries, well, you're going to need to worry about something. 
So here are our buyer beware guys at tight end, and we've got a few names for you, starting with Dez. Yeah, my buyer beware is O.J. Howard, uh, mostly because of his average draft position, which is 13th among tight ends. I think that's kind of lunacy. I have him 23rd. Um, you know, there, there are a couple it's issues It's a 10-spot swing. Yeah, it's a 10. Yeah. It's I a, did that it, math on the fly, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's impressive, pretty, Jeff. Good job. That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, the, basic, the basic rule of thumb here is that rookie tight ends just generally don't do very well in the NFL. And I know this year was kind of a banner year for tight ends. We had three drafted in the first round. That was yeah. the first time since 2002 that it happened. So, you know, there might be, like, more than the usual amount of excitement over them. But they just generally don't do anything. I mean, uh, per Rotoviz, I'm, lo- I'm looking at that website, only two rookie tight ends in the past 17 seasons have posted as much as 600 receiving yards, none since 2008. And only five tight ends in that span have caught 70-plus targets. And then we get to, oh, and then, you know, just throw out more, more cold water on him. According to Roto-World's Rich Rebar, just five of, the, of 18 past first-round tight ends have even posted seven or more touchdowns in a season at any point over their first three seasons. Th- first three seasons? Yeah, oh, at geez. any point, like seven yeah. or more touchdowns in a season. And, I bring, and that's a, especially pertinent because O.J. Howard had seven touchdowns for his entire college career. <laughs> Uh, and he averaged barely over three catches per game at Alabama. And I know, you know, Alabama is always, like, laden with talent, and maybe they just, like, had so many other first-round picks on their roster they, they couldn't be bothered, like, making a focus of him. But, like, if you're not dominating at college, and we know that rookie tight ends don't do well in the NFL, like, why would we think he's going to come in and make an immediate splash? Well, plus he's got Cameron Brait in front of him, who had a pretty darn good year last year. He's got Cameron Brait there, who I have ranked well ahead of him in, in my rankings for sure. Where do you have Brait? Uh, I have Brait 16th. I mean, he so just missed the cut. Yeah, yeah, I have him exactly just outside my top fifteen. Look, he had six hundred and sixty yards and uh, eight touchdowns. He tied for tops among all tight ends last year with eight touchdowns. Granted, it was a down year for tight ends last year, but you know, they, you, I don't think they're just going to throw that production out the window. The other interesting thing is Bray operated a lot out of the slot, and he was he was absolutely a pass catching threat. Howard, I think one of the one of the things you you would say he did do very well at Alabama is he was a really good blocker. So the idea that they could play both of them on the field at the same time and that Brait is the, the guy who's going to be looked, uh, looked at by Jameis Winston more than Howard, I think that's realistic as well. I don't really know how to, how to uh, evaluate Brait from a fantasy standpoint because you know his, his target share is probably going down. But I totally agree. Uh, I would stay away from O.J. Howard. 23rd is pretty low, but I don't think you're off on that. I mean, if we're going to talk about a rookie tight end that might make an impact, and this is going to be something that probably falls better under what to watch for, but Evan Ingram with the New York Giants might see a little bit of an increased target share if uh, Sterling Shepard misses some time. But even then, like, those numbers Des just quoted are pretty convincing. (laughs) You're better off going elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There, there is there is a pathway for Ingram to kind of break out this year. It mostly has to do with Sterling Shepard and or Brandon Marshall being hurt because otherwise the Giants just have, I think, a few too many targets to choose from for him to really uh, gain a large share of that. Opposite end of the spectrum, guy who's been a bit of a tight end journeyman, Jeff Martellus Bennett. Why are you uh, a little afraid of him? Yeah, I mean, and I love Martellus Bennett as a player. I think he's, you know, if anything, he's sort of been underrated throughout his NFL career. Uh, he's a guy who can both block and is, is a is a very uh, significant pass catching weapon. Uh, so he's currently going at the end of the seventh round, early eighth round um, in twelve team drafts. I just think it's a little much. You know, last year uh, when he basically stepped in as the number one tight end for the Patriots with Rob Gronkowski out with injury, he finished tenth in fantasy scoring last season. Everyone's saying, well, now he's moving to the Packers. Obviously, an outstanding passing game with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but per our pal Christopher Harris, who did a little research project on this, Rodgers has never seen a tight end rank better than ninth 
at the, his, at the position in fantasy scoring, and only twice has he had one uh, rank in the top 25. This is over the last five years. So it's not as though being Aaron Rodgers' number one tight end is equal to fantasy success. I think he's going a little bit too early, uh, even though I'd love to see him have a good year. Has he had a tight end as good as Martellus Bennett over I, those years? I guess you would argue last year with Jared Cook, from a talent standpoint, of course, he's had his inconsistencies. It's a fair point, Mike. I, I'll put it this way. Yeah, I, I don't know if he has. I, I'd feel, and, and I think that's valid, I feel like I would probably have him uh, you know, right at number 10, um, if I can get him in maybe the ninth round, I feel better about it. But I think he ninth or tenth rounds. Yep. I just think he's going a little bit too early, and I wouldn't just automatically assume, oh, the touchdowns and the yards are going to follow because he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's. I think I think Mike, it's it's a fair question there because you think of some of the tight ends that have kind of popped a little bit from the Packers of the past, the Jermichael Finleys of the mm-hmm, world, mm-hmm. Richard Rodgers. These guys weren't all around tight ends; they were pass catching options. So they kind of fell into just one of a bunch of guys who ran routes and weren't on the field at all times. Bennett, you know, we talked about O.J. Howard's blocking prowess. I mean, Bennett's one of the better blocking tight ends. He's the kind of guy who's going to be on the field 90% of the time in all situations. And so the more you are on the field, obviously the more chances you have to possibly catch a pass. He's been a top 10 PPR tight end in three of the past four seasons. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I agree that the Packers generally don't make a big thing out of t- passing to their tight ends, but, you know, I think number nine is a pretty fair spot for him. All right, well, it, we're all about making Jeff feel better, so let's get on to our value picks so we can see what uh, Jeff would prefer at the position. Value pick. All right, for my value pick among tight ends, I'm going with Zach Ertz of the Eagles. Now, admittedly, I think I've drafted Zach Ertz every single year he's been in the league. Him and Sammy Watkins, uh, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and Ertz hasn't burned me quite as bad as, as Sammy has. Uh, last year, Ertz was sixth in PPR scoring, he had the third most targets per game among tight ends. I, I recognize there's a lot more pass-catching options for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia this year than there were last year. Alshon Jeffrey, chief among them. Uh, but if I can get Zach Ertz in the ninth round, and right now that's where his, his ADP is late ninth round, early tenth round, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I think between straight up between him and Martellus Bennett, the guy we just talked about, I might prefer to have Ertz. I just think he's still going to be a focal point of that offense. Um, and he's produced these last several years, so I, I think he's somebody um, uh, he's somebody to target sort of in that tenth round range. I think he's a real value there. Yeah, Ertz is a guy I've been winding up with a lot in mock drafts. Like mm-hmm. I pass by the first few tight ends and the other guys. I'm not crazy about where they're where they're falling to me, but at some point you do have to make a pick a tight end. And uh, this it, he's definitely a PPR guy. I should mention like this is he's way better for PPR formats. He has over 100 targets in each of the past two seasons, posted a 74% catch rate last year, but he's never scored more than four touchdowns in any season. Like, yeah. For whatever reason, dude doesn't get in the end zone, and yeah, I think the addition of Alshon Jeffrey is going to help in that regard. And since we are trying to freak people out about injury histories, I should mention that Zach Hurts, he did miss two games last year with shoulder and rib injuries, so he's also uh, befallen that that issue. But yeah, he's he's he and, he and Eric Ebron I have ranked back-to-back because both of them, I think, in PPR formats are really nice options that you can get kind of late. If listeners are interested, Des actually has injury history dating back to uh, Pop Warner football on most of these guys. <laughs> so he really went deep. I really like Zach Ertz because for the very same reason that he's only had four touchdowns. So like, you think if he can progress that stat at all, he's going to see an incremental increase. His floor is very high. We know he's got a good rapport with Wentz already. I really like Ertz, and I really, really, really like Dez's value pick, Austin Hooper of the Atlanta Falcons. 
Why, yes, Mike, that is my value pick. That was three reallys. Yeah. I really, really, really like him. I know. Well, you have to uh, project a little bit here because he was a rookie last year who only caught 19 passes for two, 271 yards and three touchdowns. So what's the big change? He's well, the CGA pro size <laughs> of tight ends is what you're saying. Yeah, he, he's – well, okay. He did maybe catch I, a touchdown in the Super Bowl maybe I don't against like, the Patriots. Maybe I don't like him that much. but um, he played, Everyone watched that game. Breakout potential. The, uh, basically what happened in Atlanta is Jacob Tammy, who was basically their top tight end, is gone. That clears a path. Uh, and Austin Hooper, you know, we talked about Martellus Bennett being an all-around tight end, the guy who's going to be on the field in a lot of situations. Hooper's that kind of guy. He's a great blocker. In fact, uh, the guys at Football Outsiders ranked him number one in DVOA, which is basically their total value metric, even over Gronk. They said that he played, when he was on the field, he played the best. He's a good blocker. Matt Ryan, you know, the other thing with the Falcons is um, – once you get past Julio Jones, I mean, it's kind of wide open as far as who's going to get targets there. I mean, their next wide receiver is Mohamed Sanu. I don't think anyone's doing cartwheels over that. So, you know, basically last year, Matt Ryan was a top-five quarterback who only had a one uh, receiver in the top 36. Yeah. You know, and he, so even if Ryan falls back to the pack a little bit, I think there's a lot of room for Hooper to step up. You know, he was the number one target for the Falcons in the Super Bowl. He had six targets, caught a touchdown, kind of came on strong a little bit at the end of the season, so... Yeah, a lot to like there. So, I have him ranked 17th overall, by the so way. You, so you'd be drafting him as a backup tight end? Or are you looking at him yeah. as a tight end one? No. I mean, I, yeah, I have him ranked 17th, so I'm not, I'm not going right. crazy with it. I think he's a guy that you would take as your second tight end. Maybe if you went late and you wanted to take two kind of flyers, maybe you take Jack Doyle and you're not 100% convinced that's going to pan out. You know, I think going back-to-back, grabbing, grabbing Hooper, who you can get super late, I think is a very nice upside play. I will say, you know, we talked about this in, in the QBs podcast if you do uh, wait for a while, and we advocate that you do, you can grab two sort of even back-to-back or two within three or four rounds yep. um, to sort of basically give yourself two bites at the apple, two chances to have a, a legit starting fantasy quarterback. I think you can do the same thing at tight end if you're willing to wait till, say, the 10th round or later. Go ahead and grab two. Uh, maybe there's a little, you know, you're, you're placing a little bit of a bet that, um, that, that somebody who's going that late is going to have a good season. But if you take two of them, you sort of increase your odds. So I do like the idea of, of pairing a guy like Austin Hooper with that. Maybe Cameron Brate, uh, who you also mentioned. So I think, I think right. those, uh, that's a, a strong strategy to consider this year. Yeah, I, I really like Austin Hooper, especially as a backup tight end. But how- no, you really, really, really like him. I, st- I stand corrected. So, I mean, the thing about having him, though, is how many starting tight ends in a pass-heavy offense are you going to be able to get a crack at? That has the undisputed starting job there. And, and along those lines, I mentioned just keep an eye on whoever wins the job in Baltimore, another super pass-heavy offense. Well, it's, it's who's left standing. I mean, well, at this rate, yeah, yeah. seriously. So, I saw a tweet the other day, Ravens tight ends are like spinal tap drummers. Oh, <laughs> you never want to get the spinal tap drummer analogy, ever. Ever. But whoever is left standing, whoever doesn't spontaneously combust, is worth owning because they throw the ball a ton and the tight ends will get their fair share. I will, th- I will throw out one other name, and I got burned by, by him before. Kobe Fleener of the Saints meets the exact criteria mm. you're talking about. He's, he's 14th in Dez's rankings. He's going in the mid-13th round. He's a guy who might be worth uh, placing a bet on just because you know he's going to be the number one guy. And the Saints lost Brandon Cooks this year. Yep. They're going to be looking for... Uh, for for guys to target, uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. I, I didn't like him last year because I thought he was going way too high in drafts, but 13th round, that's pretty good value for a Saints tight end. Post-hype sleeper. What to watch for. All right, so what are we going to be watching for, Dez? 
I'm going to go out to Oakland, and uh, I'm going to be watching a tight end who's been a massive tease and nothing more his entire career, and that's Jared Cook. Uh, we mentioned him briefly earlier because he played with the Packers last year. Um, only played in 10 games, hello, injury alert, had a high ankle sprain, uh, missed six games of that, but he, came, he, he, he did come on strong at the end of the season. He was 13, uh, 13 catches for 178 yards in the final three games of the regular season, and then in three playoff games, he had 18 catches for 229 yards, two touchdowns. It's possible, it's just barely possible that the light is coming on for Jared Cook. He's 30 now. Maybe he's figured out how to play football. He's always had the athleticism. He's got a great size, 6'5", 254. That's almost ideal for the, for the kind of pass-catching tight end he is. And Lord knows, with, the, with Oakland, there's an opportunity there. They need a number three guy. You know, yeah. it's, it's been the Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, thro- Crabtree show uh, for the past two seasons. You know, last year, the, the third guy on their list was uh, Seth Roberts. Uh, who had five touchdowns? I think he had, thir- he had total 30, household name there. Thirty-eight catches for three hundred ninety-seven yards. So I mean, there is absolutely room uh, for Jared Cook to come in there. It's just you know. So what I'm looking for in training camp are signs that in fact the light has been switched on. Yep. I don't want to see just oh he's made an incredible catch because he's done that before. Does it sound like he's being implemented in the game plan? Are the coaches talking him up like yes we will he will be a regular factor here? Are the beat writers talking him up like this is my breakout guy having you know watch practices and so forth? Yeah, I think th- and this is true at all positions, but uh, b- but especially tight end during the preseason, pay attention to snap counts, pay attention to targets. Uh, and I think Cook's a great example of that. The guy I'm going to be watching, uh, it's it's a different sort of uh, different sort of situation. But Tyler Eifert in Cincinnati now, uh, obviously health is the biggest thing. But that is a that is very much a remade offense. Uh, the offensive line is a major question mark. Maybe those young players step up. John Ross, the first round top ten pick at wide receiver, he's a speed guy on the outside. Obviously, you've got AJ Green there. Uh, Eifert is a major red zone weapon. Uh, but if he's healthy and he's he's resuming uh, his 2015 role with that team, uh, he, he's gonna he needs to be drafted well before the seventh round, which is where he's going right now. So I'm gonna keep an eye on the Bengals and Tyler Eifert. Yeah, Eifert is you know he's sort of the discount Gronk. I mean, if you want to take a chance on a on a player with a extensive injury history who, when he's playing, can pretty much be relied upon to score a touchdown and give you some yardage. I mean, Eifert's that guy. He, there's if he stays on the field, he's very likely to wind up in the top three among tight ends. He had, you know, I said I mentioned that he'd only played in 22 of his past 48 games. Well, he has 18 touchdowns in those 22 games. So when he's on the field, he absolutely produces at, at just about the highest level. So really well worth a roll of the dice where he's going. Yeah, I'm a big Tyler Eifert fan, and he's got a really cake schedule. I'm also a big fan of Hunter Henry, and it terrifies me that he's playing for the Chargers, where every other week it seems like they're losing some sort of key player to an injury, whether it's a knee or a back. If he is healthy, and there's no reason right now to think <laughs> right. he won't be other than he's a right, Charger, right. so he's going to no be jinx, no jinx. smote by a comet or something. A lightning bolt, maybe? Perhaps. Do Ma- comets smote? Oh, you could be smote <laughs> by more than you think, my friend. Maybe even smited. I, I, I'll have to look up which is the proper nomenclature. I think smoot. <laughs> Fred? So Antonio Gates, he's done. We they wanted to get him the record last year. Look, he, they, they wanted they wanted to we get him the record Sorry, last year. Antonio. He's got one touchdown yeah. left to go. That might be news they're to mo- him. I think they're moving on now. ESPN's Matthew Berry swears that the coaching staff in San, or excuse me Los Angeles Here is committed to making Hunter Henry a key piece of their offense. 
they know that Philip Rivers has a, a good rapport with him. He seems to enjoy and trust him, particularly in the in the red zone. He had a really good rookie season. I don't know if I'm ready to get on him as a like top ten guy, but he's another guy that if I am taking a backup, uh, sort of in the mid rounds, I definitely target Andre Henry. And if for some reason I'm waiting on tight ends, like to draft every running back I possibly can, then Hunter Henry is my starting tight end. Probably doesn't scare me too much. Yeah, that's the thing, though, Mike. I've just been doing the math, and when you're drafting running backs with every single pick, as you advocated in the <laughs> running backs episode, how yes. are you going to take any tight end? It's irrelevant. Waiver wire, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, with that in mind, it's bonus time, boys and girls. So we decided that kickers and defenses don't really warrant their own show, but we are going to give you some information on them because – as picks in your draft go, your last two do matter, and that's pretty much where we believe your defenses and kickers should be taken. Now, there's always going to be someone in your league that jumps up and takes the number one ranked defense way too early. Yeah, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Or definitely, definitely don't be the kicker guy who drafts them before your last round because you're throwing away your pick. Neil, I'm talking to you. So... <laughs> How should we approach Who's Neil? Yeah, the, yes. <clears throat> well, I'll call him, for anonymity's sake, I'll call him Neil G. Or, or better yet, N. Greenberg. Oh, wait, does that give away the anonymity? I'm sorry. All right, so how are we going to approach our defenses and kickers this season, gentlemen? I mean, you said it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to wait till the end. Uh, I tend to, the idea of really predicting uh, defensive success in fantasy is, is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, there's not a, a super high correlation there. Uh, year of the year that I found, certainly. I wanted to highlight a few that I think are, based on current ADPs, might be undervalued a little bit. Uh, number one for me would be the Rams, who are currently going 13th. Uh, Wade Phillips, every time he takes over a defense, he totally transforms it. There's a lot of talent there already, certainly in the form of Aaron Donald, maybe the best defensive player in the NFL right now. Uh, a couple others to keep an eye on. One is the Eagles. Uh, they have some serious issues at corner, but that might be the best pass rush in the NFL, at least from their front four. Um, and I'd, I'd also look at the Chargers. They're going 18th. Uh, they they might be worth sort of if you're if you truly are getting the last defense picked. Uh, they're a defense with Joey Bosa on the edge as a as a pass rusher, uh, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL as a rookie, and he's only going to get better. Um, and th- and they're really solid at corner as well. So I could see that team, especially you know, putting up a lot of points uh, with the offense. I I could see them producing a lot of turnovers. So I think they belong much higher than 18th. Yeah, I I, I tend to stream defenses. I mean, I just look at defenses early season schedules and kind of go from there. And in that sense, uh, I have the Steelers. I'm eyeballing the Steelers. I actually only have them ranked 15th in, in my rankings because those are just kind of looking at the general season long trends and setting up for that. But if I'm going to a draft, I'm, I'm looking to target the Steelers. They get the Browns in week one. They are the team Fader. that gets to play the Browns <laughs> right off the bat. And following the Browns, they get the Vikings. I don't think we think they have an incredible offense. They're at the Bears. They're at the Ravens. And then they get Jacksonville. That is a very yeah. tasty five-week schedule right off the bat. Um, some of the other teams I'm looking at in that regard include the Ravens. They get the Bengals, Browns, Jags, Bills. They start with the Jets. That could be pretty sweet. Then they get Carolina. Then they host Denver. Uh, the Colts get to start off with the Rams. you got to figure that's, that's a nice little matchup. But basically, if you just follow around like crappy offenses, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to wind up with one of, the, one of the better scores at defense uh, you know, by the end of the season. Like, to me, that's really the strategy you want to go with because 
you don't want to be that person that just assumes, oh, the Broncos, they're a lock to be right. a great defense. It just doesn't work that way. It's true that the Broncos have finished the past two seasons uh, in the top two at defense, but past results do not predict future performance when it comes to defense. Uh, ESPN ha- had a study recently. Over the past 15 seasons, a defense that was drafted first, second, third, or fourth, according to ADP, actually finished as the top-ranked defense just twice, and the average placement of those defenses that were ranked top four was 10th. You know, so don't be the person in round three. I know what I know what happens in drafts. Like you get to round thirteen, it's all scrubs at running back. It's all scrubs at wide receivers. Your starting lineup has long since been filled out, and you think to yourself, "Well, why should I take a shot at one of these schmoes when I can draft the Broncos?" You know, they're a lock to be a great defense, but they're not, folks. It doesn't carry over. Wait until the last two rounds. Yeah, listen to me. Take those scrub running backs. You'll thank me later. Kickers, is there anything that differentiates kickers? Last year. We had Neil sit in the studio and swear <laughs> up and down. I thought it was N. Greenberg. Yeah, excuse me. That uh, Stephen Goskowski was going to be the money in the bank kicker to own. Yeah, loved him, Goskowski. Yeah. Because he had been the top kicker the past few years. So right. surely that would continue. And Patriots, right? So it has yep. to be so. It was a lock. Not so much. No. There is no correlation with kickers. I think the best you can do is find a guy with a good leg, good accuracy, and probably plays indoors uh, the majority of the season just because that's where you're going to find consistency. You're not going to get some crazy, you know, 70-mile-an-hour crosswind going and, you know, trying to kick through that. Am I right, Jeff? Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. And it's another – I don't know if you'd call it kicker streaming, but you, you could stream at this position as well, and, and you're, you're not yeah. going to carry two, so at a certain point during a bye, you're probably, uh, chances are you're saying goodbye to your kicker, um, unless your roster's so deep you're, you're able to uh, to let somebody else go. But I, I think it's it, it's really hard to predict going in. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend drafting Roberto Aguayo. Other than that, I don't really <laughs> have any kicker strategy. Wait yeah. to, wait till the end of your drafts. Is right. What I would say. Just you know, you always want to keep an eye like who's kicking for the Saints. You know, a great yeah. offense that High plays indoors. Offense. You add in the uh, the Falcons. Both those teams. They each of them play at least nine years in a, or nine games in a dome. Uh, just for the records, the Will Lutz kicks for the Saints these days. So you know, you might want to take a look at him. Speaking of like the streaming. Just to make a differential between some players, sometimes I'll draft a kicker with a late bye week because when they come up kind of early and you're in the kind of league where you have to spend a waiver move and maybe you lose your spot in the order, the last thing you want to do is if if you're at the top of the waiver order, you don't want to lose that spot because you have to replace your kicker. It's the worst. That's just hateful. So so maybe look for a kicker with a later bye week so that you you can choose your moment. Like you're picking up another player and that's when you replace kickers as well just so you're not, you know, you're already at the back of the line. But beyond that, I mean, just grab a cheat sheet and go from there. Uh, The number one guy is Justin Tucker only because – He's so money from long yeah. range. I mean, you know, and, and then, but th- even then, like we just talked about, pick a guy indoors, no. Pick a guy who plays in a great <laughs> offense, no. <laughs> you know, but he, he's, they, the, the Ravens actually, they're, they're beautiful in a way because they kick a ton <laughs> of field goals. They average, over the past 10 years, apparently they've, and this is a stat I picked up somewhere along the way, they've, a- they've attempted an NFL high 352 field goals during the past decade. So their offense is just sucky enough to be right. good. But I mean, that doesn't mean that this will be the season where that continues, but he is incredibly good from long range. So if, you, if your league awards extra points for like 50-yard field goals, maybe you, you know, maybe you spring for him. But again, don't do it before your final round. All right, well, that wraps up all of our positional previews. Remember, if you missed any previous episode, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher. While you're there, please leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't, what we can do better going forward. Check out all of our fantasy content on thewashingtonpost.com slash fantasyfootball. And always reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. And I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. We'll see you next time.